0: Becky, great ball
1: in Ellen White for Manchester City. Decent heads. (laughs)
2: Welcome back for this week's episode of MCW Fancast. I'm Emma, thanks for listening. Following Wednesday night's away game in the Women's Super League, we'll be joined this week by Shahan Mia from the Bristol City Vixen cast. We'll recap on the game and chat to Shahan about Bristol's season so far and their hopes for season survival in a tight relegation battle at the bottom of the table. Earlier in the week, it was announced by the club that Demi Stokes has signed a new two year contract extension, committing herself to the club into the summer of 2023. Joining from South Florida Bulls in January 2015, having previously been on the books of Sunderland, Stokes has made over 150 appearances for City so far across all competitions, having helped the team to trophy success along the way. Speaking about her extensions, Stokes said, I'm pleased to have signed a new deal. I don't take any contract renewal for granted, but especially right now. I'm very grateful and fortunate to have the opportunity to continue my journey here with this amazing team. It's an exciting time to be a part of Manchester City and in my mind, I didn't want to be anywhere but here. This club is home for me and the decision was easy to extend my stay. Head coach Gareth Taylor said we're delighted to see Demi commit her immediate future to Manchester City as she's been a big part of the club's successes over the past six years. She is a very important member of the team and we're looking forward to continuing our journey together over the next few seasons. It was great to see Demi named back in the squad and introduced on Wednesday night against Bristol following a short spell on the sidelines with injury. Always pleasing to see a player who's offered such longevity remain committed to the club and we look forward to seeing her back out on the pitch again soon. Speaking about Demi Stokes' contract extension and our 3-0 win against Bristol City, hear from head coach Gareth Taylor speaking at full-time at Twerton Park.
1: I thought we we played some good stuff tonight. I mean, what people probably won't realise is uh, this is a difficult pitch to play on. Um, it's a huge slope on it. It's uh, not the easiest surface and it allowed Bristol a little bit to put high pressure on us. Um, and fair play, they had a right good go. I thought we scored uh, some good goals in the first half, good quality from uh, our forward play. Um, and in the second half, we had good chances. We probably could have killed them off a little bit sooner. But, you know, I still think 3-0 is a, is a really good result at this stage of the season. Um Really great to have Demi back. I think, um, you know, we've missed her. Her injury was probably something that we we thought wouldn't keep her out as long as it has. Um, but, yes, yeah, it's great to have her back. And, and to be fair, the girls have coached really well in the meantime, and, and that's what we have here is players that are able to play in different positions and, and give their very best. This stage of the season, it's about points on the board. Um, like I say, I thought there were some really good parts to our performance tonight against a high-pressing team. Um, on a difficult pitch. So we, we have to be really happy. Oh, there's, there's lots of things we can improve on. We really can. I think, um, you know, consistency in a lot of things. Um, and, you know, we we are proving to be uh, more efficient in a lot of areas. But I still think, you know, some of our build-up play, some of our pressing can be better. We're a really good pressing team, I think. Um, and then, obviously, we'll all, it'll always be about the scoring goals and keeping them out. I mean, clean sheets and and you know, a three-nil away victory tonight is is great. Pleased to get the clean sheet, but there'll always be areas that we can improve on, both as individuals and certainly as a team. And, and we're we're never satisfied. We always want to improve. We always want to work hard on the training pitches. And um, you know, these girls work tremendously hard. And uh, you know, to get to us to get ourselves to this point where we are in the season with five games to go, ten games, you know, on the banks is is superb. And, and we want to keep it going. No, they didn't, you know, and, and I think always at 2 0, it, it can, the, the team is always still there and fair play to them. I thought even at 3 0, no, they still made it difficult for us. It was, um, again, the pitch helps them because it's quite compact here with the big slope and, and the, the surface is not great for a team that really wants to play productive, uh, progressive football. You know, you have to really take care when the ball flies into you because it's quite bobbly pitch. Um, but, you know, I think in the main, our girls handled it really well. Uh, substitutions we made, they contributed. Good to get Demi on the pitch. And um, yeah, you know, I said to the girls, you know, good good performance, good elements of it. Uh, and at this stage of the season, really big three points that is for us. A week, you know, a week ago we were playing Fiorentina. And then next week we'll be in in Monza to, to play Barcelona. And again, yes, it's one we're looking forward to, but it gives us opportunity to work, get some, get some work into the players, make sure that everybody's uh, on song, ready, fit and available. And, um, you know, unfortunately we, we couldn't have Lucy and Steph here with us this evening. So uh, that gives us that little bit of time, like you say, to try and get them right.
2: So much for joining us how are you keeping I hope you're keeping well
0: hello good evening Emma I'm fine thanks uh, and thank you for having me on your podcast today
2: yeah it's great to have you on I've done a little bit on your podcast but we obviously know each other well through through the season this so far and you know things are obviously on the up for Bristol it's been quite a week for Bristol I think heading into obviously last Sunday's Conti Cup final against Chelsea off of the back of a fantastic 3-2 win against Reading, picking up vital points in your season campaign. little rest or recovery though heading into Wednesday's midweek fixture against Man City and still nursing that sort of Conti Cup headache from the weekend. How were you feeling heading into the game?
0: Well, I'm feeling that the team obviously had to have some sort of response or bounce back from the Conic Cup final. I mean, it was a great occasion for the team to reach the County Cup final. And as you may be aware, various media kept referring to the game as the first County Cup final to neither feature Arsenal or Man City. Uh, and of course, I, I heard your last episode where you said you were going to watch the game, hoping for a Bristol win or yeah. for a Chelsea loss, <laughs> whichever was more convenient for you. Um, but yeah, um, obviously, like I think... What happened on the country cup final was Matt bid made a change of formation, which you could, from what everyone could tell, like clearly like the players didn't feel comfortable with this formation. Like they seemed of place. And of course that led to various goals, you know, being conceded so quickly. Um, of course there was, a, there was a much better second half, but of course, and but pretty much the game was already won pretty much by the end of the first half. And of course, when fan Kirby and Sam Kerr came off or well, got subbed off, um, yeah, the only other main talking point really was the unfortunate injury suffered to Maren Mielder.
2: Yeah, it was it was awful that really, wasn't it? I mean, you know, you never ever want to see a player go down like that. I mean, I think, thankfully from the news, I think that's come out of the club and from Mian herself, it seems that the injury perhaps isn't as bad as initially first thought.
0: No, that's correct. And from what I've seen today, as we record this, um, Maren did post a picture on her social media of her, of a selfie of her, you know, in in the hospital or just having had the surgery, uh, with a smile on her face, and of course, I remember hearing about, well, reading the tweets and reports from the time, saying because it was in an empty stadium, of course, the journalists that were there uh, were able to hear like the screams and pains, and I'm guessing the person who committed uh, the foul was uh, Amy Palmer. Uh, of course, she needed the comforting, you know, from Abby House and other City players because um, a similar injury happened to her earlier in the season. And myself and my uh, Vixencast co-host, DM Withers and Ab Brown, saw that in person uh, at the game against Birmingham City where Amy Palmer, unfortunately, had a landed really badly after a horrific challenge and had to miss nearly two months of football. And so it was just weird, you know, going from receiving such a horrific injury to inadvertently causing one um, to another player.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean we wish, obviously, Maran well in her, her recovery and... You know, it's it's just a, such a shame that obviously that sort of dampened the mood of obviously the celebrations for Chelsea in that, in that respect.
0: Yes, very much so. I mean, it was a nice, it was a touch of class, you know, seeing Frank Kirby, you know, get Meowder's shirt, you know, ho- hold it up with the Candy Cup presentation. And of course, seeing the photos of, you know, the trophy uh, um, hanging in the in, in dressing room in front of Meowder's, you know, shirt or um, or air, uh, her changing area. As for the Candy Cup uh, final itself, like, for me personally, as a Bristol City fan, um, it's nice for me to actually fully care for the Conti Cup for one season, because for as long as I've been following the team, which has only a, been a couple of years, really, um, of course, the uh, Bristol City haven't really progressed so far into the competition. So it was a nice diversion from the WSL as such. But now, of course, the Conti Cup period is over. Like the club are now focusing on, you know, WSL survival. And as Matt Bid said in his post-match interview on Sunday, he so it's they got seven cup finals.
2: Yeah, and, and that's ha- what it feels like for Bristol. I mean, let's let's talk about the City game first. I mean, first half goals from Caroline Weir, obviously former Bristol <laughs> player, uh, Ellen White plus a late Sam Mewis header were enough to see City get the better of Bristol and secure our tenth successive victory in the Women's Super League. A straightforward win, but perhaps for City not the tidiest in terms of performance that we've become accustomed to in recent games. And Bristol, to be fair, were pretty valiant in their efforts, uh, especially in the second half, I thought. But what did you make of the performance overall?
0: So um, before I answer quickly, um, I just want to ask you, uh, get your opinion on something, Em. Um, mm. Obviously, you refer to City, uh, Man City as City, yeah. whereas um, historically, of course, Bristol City, a lot of fans still refer to it as just Bristol, going yeah. back to the Bristol Academy slash Vixens days. And I always get asked that. I've been asked this question before, um, or I've seen on Twitter, you know, um, probably from those that don't follow uh, the, the WSL, they always query to say, why are Bristol City just referred to as Bristol? Because that never would happen in the men's game. Like you wouldn't have uh, in the Premier League, you, you'd never see a team referred to as Sheffield or Manchester. With mm-hmm. that in mind, I want to ask you something quickly, um So before Man United joined, you know, reformed as a women's team, from your experience of being a Man City fan, did people still refer to your team as City or did they just say Manchester?
2: No, I, th- I think it's it's City. Um, I think it's something that's translated from the men's game to the women's game because United is always... United, City are always City. To define, obviously, the two Manchester teams, it's City, United. I think that's just something that's translated over to the women's game. I suppose it's just something that you've become accustomed to. And it shouldn't... <laughs> sort of come with me as obviously speaking about the women's
0: team fair enough that's fine thanks em. Um, yeah I mean I asked mainly because I originally got into the women's team through the men's team who I've been the fan for like nearly 15 years and of course I never referred to Man United as United mm-hmm. in, in both the men's or women's game especially in the WSL because I, I just think of West Ham United as well so yeah
2: yeah
0: um, but yeah it's, going back to your main question slash you know Think diversion there. Um, um, I was quite surprised with the Man City squad at first, uh, because uh, I saw Steph Steph Houghton was missing, hence why Ellen White was the captain. And I saw a tweet. Um, I do not remember his name as we record, so I do apologise for forgetting his name. But he did a tweet saying, um, well as well as being um Steph Houghton being missing from the squad, it, it ends her run of fifty nine consecutive WSL games, and also it's the first time she's not played in the fixture between the two teams. Uh, Haven't played in orders all- between the two teams. I-, I didn't realize until half during the game. I realized, wait, where- where's Lucy Bronze? <laughs> and I found out afterwards, like she uh, she's missing because she she got injured or she's having treatment and needs to rest.
2: Yeah, I-, I think it was just precaution more than anything. I think that came. It was something that came from the midweek game um, for the Champions League against Florentina. Yeah, quite surprised not to see Steph feature really because she's such uh, a key pivotal figure in in city starting lineup you know she's usually one of the first names on the on the starting 11 so yeah it's really odd to see her not participate and not within the the city squad so yeah uh, hope she's all right and uh, i don't think it's anything too serious so um i hope it's more sort of rest in in terms of preparation for our next champions league game against barcelona and hopefully we'll see her back in the squad for that game because it's going to be a big one
0: definitely and um of course, speaking of missing players, um, I think myself and a few other fa- Bristol City fans are freaked out with seeing the particular omissions from, from the squad for this game because um, Gemma Evans, who's been the captain in the last two games, as well as Ebony Salmon, were, were both missing. And as we record this, uh, we found out uh, I found out sorry, after the game that Tom Gary, who's the journalist from The Telegraph, interviewed Matt Beard, and Matt Beard confirmed that uh, Ebony Sam was indeed rested as a precaution um, I'm guessing the logic for that is to save her for the upcoming game against Spurs this Sunday uh, which is a rescheduled game from a, f- uh, a few weeks ago so of course precisely having to play three games within seven days obviously it's not, it's not ideal but obviously when the fixtures you know have to be rescheduled or are formed that's how it is sometimes mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was interesting to see um, a lot of change um positive um changes made again because I think from what I could see it was a 4-2-3-1 formation Man City fans will be interested to see Emma Bissell start of course
2: definitely. signed
0: for Man City in summer and never made a WSL appearance as far as I'm aware
2: no I don't think so I think she's been doing well though with Bristol. she seems to be quite well involved especially in the last few games especially under Matt Beard I feel
0: yes definitely yeah. um uh, I mean, it's one thing we mentioned on the Vixen Cast um, a couple of episodes ago was we noticed under what well, uh, under Mad Bid's temporary leadership. I mean, personally, I'm hoping it, it's fingers crossed. I'm going mean, to ask you about this, that. This, <laughs> well, okay, we'll get to her a bit later. Yeah. Um, yeah so obviously, since Mad Beard has come in, uh, she hasn't really started as many games. However, she did start the Conica final and the game on Wednesday. Um, but I think the team played. Uh, Bristol City played a much better performance uh, than they did on Sunday. Uh, Sophie Bagley, who might have then at least one preventable goal on the Conte Cup final, uh, made some excellent saves uh, throughout the game. And it's just very unfortunate, you know, that the goals were conceded in such a fast swift action, uh, fast swift, you know, as, as the workers Yeah. Because considering the last game, obviously the two teams played against each other in that eight one fashion at the Academy Stadium, where you appeared on the on the Vixen castle and you said at the time you didn't think the game should have gone ahead at that time because of Bristol City's COVID scares.
2: I, I I think it was I think it was difficult for City at times. I think the pitch looked to play its part in a, in particular areas. I kind of feel that that favoured Bristol a little bit. And once again, plenty of positive play for Bristol to carry forward for the rest of the season. I thought, like you said, Sophie Bagley was outstanding. She plays such a pivotal part at keeping Manchester City at bay. And again, she's just gone from strength to strength for me this season. I think she's been one of those players that has certainly had uh, a season full of a lot of positives and she's getting a lot of recognition for the the part that she's playing in in helping Keep Bristol, you know, in this in this fight, you know, to stay up because she's been instrumental in that respect.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, and I, I think there was a stat uh, a few months ago, uh, uh, which was revealed uh, that at that point in the season in the WSL, even though Bristol save unfortunately conceded the most goals, uh, or at least have like the the biggest goal difference, uh, Sophie Bagley at the time did make the highest amount of saves in the WSL. I don't know if that record is still the case, but hopefully I think it should be. And um, I'm quite surprised she still hasn't had a, made a, 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 a senior Lioness appearance uh, while uh, for the club. I know she came on, she was a sub, a, a new start, sub a few years ago, but that's when she was playing for Birmingham at the time. But hopefully uh, if she's, while she's still at the club, I hope she can, make it into the, the, the Lionesses squad or even the Team GB squad, you know, should the Olympics still go ahead this summer?
2: I mean, a lot of people are obviously predicting who, you know, which sort of players should kind of feature within that Team GB squad. And I think there are a lot of players at the moment that are, are showing their worth in terms of, you know, being considered for that call up. And I, and I definitely think Sophie Bagley, uh, Ebony Salmon in particular are two players that should, shouldn't be discounted.
0: Definitely. Uh, definitely. Um, I'm just looking at my notes I made for the game. This is which is which is why I usually do, of course, in preparation for when I when I record with the Vixen Cast. Um, we haven't recorded our episode yet, so this Have is the not. first time. No, so for this week only, we're doing we're doing both Ma- the Man City and Spurs games in one episode. So for me, this is the first podcast I've appeared to talk about the Man City game. So I'm betraying
2: because I suppose as Bristol. You're not really used to having those quick turnaround games really because obviously with the County Cup final a lot of obviously teams didn't play at the weekend and and the fixtures have obviously rolled into midweek fixtures and then obviously again this weekend but you still have a sort of like a game in hand don't you on a lot of other teams
0: I think so definitely yeah um I think looking at the table which of course was very interesting with the other results elsewhere last yeah. uh yeah I think we played one more game than a few others in the bottom of the table. Uh, but looking at the fixtures, as far as things stand, uh, the game against Man City at Toronto Park was the last midweek fixture of the season. And all the other fixtures now will be on a Saturday or Sunday. I was going to ask you one more thing quickly. Another thing quickly. Um, of course, had the game, you know, been able to have fans, would you have, have traveled down to Twin Park? I mean, are you the type of support that travels home and way because i know there's a few people in the man city support official support club who love to travel uh you know the the world to follow their team
2: yeah there is a lot of city fans that do travel for me bristol city is a game that i i haven't traveled to uh and i want to make a conscious effort of obviously doing that um i probably would have done uh this season because my sort of schedule is allowing me a bit more time to be able to travel at the weekends. It's usually really difficult uh for me to to sort of commit to travelling so so far, sort of like at a weekend like that. But yeah, Bristol City is definitely one game that um I want to get to. So I'm hoping next time round I'll be there for sure.
0: I mean, that, that's great to hear. And um at least you won't be able to experience Stokeford Stadium. As good as that stadium was to start off with, from what I've heard from longer fans or fans who have been in the team for much longer. I think Stoke Gifford has kind of lost its uniqueness or doesn't really have as much facilities compared to other grounds, which is why the club chose the decision to move to a better stadium, even if it's out of town.
2: Yeah.
0: Such as Twentown Park, which for me, um, in terms of the distance, um, it's a bit inconvenient because I actually live in Bristol. So I'm not used to traveling out of town or out of city to follow my football team. But if that's something I'm going to have to do when fans come back then. So be it. Yeah, it,
2: it it is difficult. I mean, you know, I think Reading had a similar situation, didn't they? Where a lot of fans would have to travel outside, you know, to sort of get to the through Adams Park kind of thing. But now, obviously, with moving it to Majewski, it's made it a little bit more accessible for fans. So hopefully, when fans are allowed back into the stadium, then then we'll see. Hopefully, that increase in in footfall through the the turnstiles.
0: Yes, very much so. And of course, you mentioned Redden there. Um, another thing to consider for them is the other team that usually play at the stadium, uh, London Irish, the rugby team, have moved to Brentford's new stadium in London. So, uh, of course, that, that meant the pitch was more available or there was more room for fixtures. So, of course, it would make sense for the Redden women's team to play their games there, which, um, again, that's I'm looking forward to going back there because Bristol City and Redden seem to have great fixtures against each other as, as yeah. we've as all you seen. you know. There. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, as you know. Speaking of pitches, uh, Twyman Park um, looks a lot nicer now because not only it's it's the first time Bristol City have played there in a month. Uh, during this during that time, uh, Bath City, who are the main who are the main football team that play at Twyman Park, their league got declared null no and void because they play in the National League South. So um, I think the ground staff have been able to keep an eye on or look after the pitch or the or more carefully or at least the pitch doesn't get you know rough and stuff for lack of a better word <laughs> and also it wasn't raining
2: a little bit bubbly i've got to say
0: <laughs> i mean at least the weather was a bit nice uh because i know you did yeah. you did the tweets saying the weather in bristol was going to be nice for those yeah. boots but I had yeah. to point out to you that the game was actually in Bath. In Bath, yeah. yeah.
2: I think talking about the game, I think Bristol was fairly limited with regards to their attacking threat. I mean, obviously only really managing two shots, I think it was on target, but managed to create some some good opportunities uh, of their own, which would have been particularly encouraging considering Ebony Salmon was missing from the starting lineup, who was rested as a caution, like you said, because think of a tight quad.
0: Yeah, that's news to me. And, I think I don't know about other football clubs for Bristol City when it comes to certain player news or player injury news that were like the last fans are last the last to know.
2: Well that was Tom Gary that tweeted that of the Sally Graph. So I'm gonna <laughs> he's oh, okay. pretty reliable. So I'd guess I'd go with I would go with Tom on that one. But um I mean Salmon has recently found a way back into the starting eleven. I mean, how happy have you been with the overall application of the players under Matt? Since coming in at Bristol as interim for for Tanyarat toby
0: it was great to see Matt Bear back in the game because I know he wanted the break, or he said he wanted the break. You know, after leaving West Ham, but um, because things uh, obviously didn't work didn't work out in the end. Um, I think he said he was going to potentially start another podcast. I know or we're start all a expecting
2: a podcast series. <laughs> <isn't it>? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, wow, okay, so that's not going to happen. <laughs>
0: um, I and I think I think the fact that. He knows the head of women's football at Bristol City, Lee Billiard, because the two of them worked together when they were at Boston Breakers in, in America a few years ago. So there's that connection. And uh, yeah, Matt, Matt's clearly given like a new lease or new perspective on the team. Like I think one of the first things he pointed out was the players' fitness, which he wanted to help or improve vastly. And and I think he, he said he made the, tra- the first training sessions more intense and during the first few games, didn't make as many subs because I think he wanted more, the players to get more players to go for a full 90. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, Matt only joined the club because, of course, Tanya Oxby left on maternity leave, which apparently is the first time uh, a woman or a female football manager has left um, to go on maternity leave in such a position. Um, I think partly due to COVID, I think that's why she had to go on the, on leave so yeah. early, as opposed to, to like, you know, Kelly Chambers or Emma Uh, Hayes, you know, who literally managed until like the last minute uh, from what I've heard. Um, I mean, personally, I I, I know Matt is only on, you know, with the club until at least the the end of Tanya's maternity leave. Um, But in regards to what what happens with, with the team, I am personally a little bit worried if Tanya does come back and leads the team to what could potentially be a relegation battle for the third year in a row uh, of course tanya is a great coach I like the team are really behind her and of course she got her results uh, the team's results for the conti cup and of course brought, helped help bring in ebony salmon um but uh, at the end of the day football is was is a results business and of course i hate to see year managers or head coaches you know get the chop or you know get get, get sacked but um I'm just I'm just hoping you know Tanya is taking the time away you know as well as going you know starting a family with uh, her partner you know when she's ready to come back into the uh, when whenever she does return to the game you know hopefully she'll have you know her um, a better winning mentality because and also um Matt Beard um in his post match interviews like uh, he gives a lot more detail he's very um, in depth and they're usually a lot longer as such whereas. I don't know whether Tanya has like a, a poker face for her in regards to like a win or a loss. Like she doesn't really. She's. Just, I think I feel in my opinion gives the bare minimum. But I think there's one thing. Um, I think I like got pointed out to me. Um, was in the last things Tanya said before she went on maternity leave on social media where she talked about thanking like the players and the staff and everyone in the club, and someone pointed out to me, oh, she could uh, saying that she could at least thank the fans as well. I don't know if that was an oversight or if I was just a typo, but
2: it, it is a pretty unique situation, really, given the position of Bristol and then the sort of turnaround <laughs> that Matt's really done. He's obviously come in with an idea to to carry the team forward in a in a positive direction. I, I think you you touched on upon like the, the first few games, I think he treated as more of a pre-season, to test the players and to, to, you know, to look at those fitness and and review those sort of, you know, the the management of tea, the players and stuff like that. But again, we're seeing the, the likes of, you know, like Emma Bissell coming into the squad, Ebony Salmon coming into the squad. And, you know, where questions have been asked surrounding, you know, why aren't these players starting? They're now starting and contributing and, you know, making a difference which in return is is leading to much more positive play from Bristol. And it it really does feel as though Bristol have got it within the team to really turn things around and, and stay up and fight this season.
0: Yeah, definitely very much so. And um, especially considering other teams in the WSL um, who are now starting to slide down the table. Uh, what some, you know, when you when we all thought they were going to be safe, you know, because of the results on the pitch and other things affecting them off the pitch, you know, creeping down, like uh, it was incredible, like, uh, you know um, as well as me watching the Bristol City versus Man City game last night, you know keeping an eye out on the West Ham versus Birmingham game, you know, seeing you know, the score going to be 1-0 and then 1-0 and then 2-1 and then the last minute, you know, Birmingham make a 2-1
2: and
0: of course had West Ham won that game, they would have, you know leapt up I mean, they, 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 they leapt up they moved up to 11th anyway because of the draw that they got. But, you know, had they won against Birmingham, they would have moved up even higher up the table. And then, of course, Aston Villa who, um, lost again um, to a, re- a resurgent Brighton who have Albion. Um, so, and what's more interesting is because the next game for Bristol uh, Brist- have this Sunday is the only game in the WSL or the only rescheduled game taking place this weekend. Should Bristol win? At Spurs, Bristol will then be able to move up a, a few places because I think, yeah, Bristol see on nine points, um, West Ham on nine points, and I think Aston Villa on 10 or uh, Birmingham. I don't have the table in front of me because I didn't think I was going to talk about the table. And of course, just hearing the news today that there was the tribunal between the for the uh game against Spurs and Birmingham that got called off earlier, and I think yeah. the FA ruled the game to, to be one in Spurs' favour, or they awarded the 3-0 win. So I don't have half that the table or not.
2: I think you mentioned before about Matt Beer wants to treat each game now for Bristol as, as a cup final in itself. And he, I think he was quoted as saying, two more wins may be enough to keep Bristol up. And as Beer marks specific games to target points, which games do you feel Bristol will be looking at to pick up the points? And do you believe that Bristol can survive this re- relegation battle?
0: I'm hoping, you know, points you can be achieved from as many games as possible or as, um, but I think realistically, I think, well, for the most part, it's not, it's always hard to predict, you know, what's going to happen on the day because, as we saw a few months ago, you know, Brighton beat Chelsea at King's and then Brighton have gone to one of like four games in a row or something. And then Reading, who are often joked as like being the hot and cold team because you never know what you're going to get. Um, I think realistically, um, if there's no result against uh, Spurs this uh, Sunday, and I think the following two, I think the game after that is against Birmingham oh, at St George's Park, I assume, and this is going to move somewhere else. Yeah. I think I think that I think that game will actually be vital um, for Bristol City to get points, and uh, I think there's a uh, Aston Villa at the end of April. I mm-hmm. think I think well, in, in, we were. As far as I'm aware, there's only three games in April where Bristol City are playing. A, a, a home to Arsenal, then away to Bryan in the FA Cup, uh, ho- hopefully on the lead to a second cup final of the season, and then uh, away to Aston Villa. And then we got Brighton uh, away in the, in the WSL in May, and then Man U is the last home game in May as well. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen with Spurs on Sunday because they're obviously they've been... They had a great run since Rhian's getting Skinner first joined, but since then they've gradually, you know, have struggled to get points later. Yeah,
2: drew yeah, against Reading, but they've had about a run of losses, haven't they? So they're still mm-hmm. looking for a win in the last five. So, yeah, it's, it is going to be a big game, big magnitude game, big points on offer, and I think it will certainly be interesting to see what the outcome of that game will be. I certainly feel like I said Bristol have got the fight to to stay up, and I wish you well for the rest of the season. I I certainly hope you can do it. It's been fantastic speaking to you, Shahan. I really appreciate you joining me this evening. All the best for the rest of the season.
0: Thank you very much for uh, for ha- having me on them, and yeah, uh, I it's, you are doing a great job with the with the podcast, and um obviously thank you thank you for having like you know myself and people from other fans or. Oh having fa- other fans and, you know, people from other perspectives join your podcast.
2: No, it's, it's always great to hear the, the other side. I think that's what makes it so interesting. Uh, do you just want to put out your social media handles and just tell us a little bit about the podcast so if people know where to find you so they can listen?
0: Sure thing, Em. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the Bristol City Cast uh, is currently in the second season. Uh, it was previously called the Ox to be Revolution. Uh, the podcast was started by um, fellow Bristol City fans DM Withers and Natalie Brown. Uh, but I joined as co-host this season. Um, people can find uh, us on Twitter at BC Vixencast and the same handle at BCVixenCast on Instagram. And if people wish to follow me personally, they can on Twitter at Shahan Shahan or on Instagram at ShahanXShahan. Shahan.
2: Brilliant. Thanks, Shahan. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully... We'll see you game next season.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. If not at Triumph Park or even Ashen Gate, you know, maybe uh, the Academy Stadium or Et- Etihad, you know, who, knew, who knows what's going to happen next season.
2: Yeah, but hopefully it will be great to get fans back in and enjoying the games again. Definitely, yeah. Cheers, Shahan. I'll see you soon. And that's it for this week's episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. Just to remind you, we're running a competition on our Instagram account at the moment with thanks to Wade Visual. You can win an A3 digital print of original artwork created by Wade of a Manchester City women player of your choice. Wade is incredibly talented, and if you haven't already, we recommend you take some time to check out her work. To so be in the chance of winning, you simply need to head over to our Instagram account. Follow MCW Fancast and Wade Visual, like the competition post, share and tag with three of your friends, and that's it. Competition will close on Wednesday the 31st of March at 6pm, with the winner announced shortly after. Thanks to Shahan from the Bristol City Vixen cast for joining me on this week's show. No football for City this coming weekend once again, but our next fixture will be in the Champions League as Focus returns to Europe. For our first leg quarter tie against Barcelona on Wednesday the 24th of March, the game will be available to watch live via BT Sport and City Plus. Kick-off is 11.30am and we'll be back next week. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>